Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from New York, New York, it's the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Gianni Russo, Patrick Piccarelli, and Megan Horan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. Here we are again, and we have a special guest, too. He's listening in. He's trying to rehearse for when he's up after the next episode. <laughs> but um, I guess he's, he's, he's trying to get past all the security that you have up there. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. That's the problem. Probably the camera at the door stunned him a little bit. <laughs> and the armed guards and the being yeah. searched. But hey, this is what you have to do. You know? Thank God. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, so just before coming on the air, I was looking through you know, last-minute questions and emails, and we had a question from a fan about you know the upcoming football season and the movie Any Given Sunday, which you know a lot about. So I thought that seemed pretty timely if we want to go into that. Well, yeah, I, you know, I'm seeing, as we all are, the season just about to start. And uh, I, I never knew nothing about football. And Pat and I, we do most of our sports in a horizontal position without equipment. So oh uh, anyway, we ain't not together, there. of course. Let's, not, not uh, to, oh, yeah, no, sure well, let's clean that up. Yeah, before the room is started. Anyway, but um, how I got involved, which is interesting, we, I was having dinner at Dantana's, a restaurant that's been in California forever. It's off of right Doheny and Little Santa Monica Boulevard. And uh, a little trivia history too for our our uh, millennials, Craig, who was the maitre d' since a teenager, mm-hmm. now owns Craig's right down the block that uh, George Clooney financed, and it's the hottest restaurant. But the good news, old people who are loyal to a guy like called Dan Tana, they he's still doing well, and he don't need any money. Believe me, he owns half the block. But I'm there one night, and right next to me is Pacino. So after our hellosing and all this and the other, he calls me over to the table, and he's sitting with Oliver Stone. And he said to me, I know your family or somebody is involved in football. I swear, not only is involved, he just won the Super, you know, Super Bowl. This is 1997. And... Uh, I had a great run with it. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I, I knew nothing about football until Pat bought the Denver Broncos. That's not me. Not you. No, no. Pat Bowlin, I'm sorry. Hey. <laughs> not to be Let me I clear that up. Well, yeah. <laughs> you you would have wished you did because when he died <laughs> just a few months ago, they estimated the team is worth a billion four. Oh my gosh. So it was just, it was a great seven. I tried to talk him out of not making the investment of $17 million. That's crazy. It's crazy for a football team. Yeah, right. So, anyway, it proved me wrong again. But the good news is that we are friends and we were dating two sisters and then went on to, I did anyway, marriage and kids and he did too. But the bottom line is, I, he gave me an opportunity he knew nothing about. And uh, when he was, I, you know, I was flying on his plane, going to the games and all that. And when they were going to Super Bowl, I didn't realize what the NFL did. Pat, you ain't gonna believe this, because most people don't realize the NFL probably are the old boys' school. Now there's 33 owners, I think, 
but at that time I think there was 28 or 29 owners. Mm -hmm. And you have to have 60% of the cash, cash, to buy the team and show where you got it. Oh my. And be an American citizen. Pat Boland wasn't, he was Canadian. He moved to America <laughs> to get into the football. Wow. Out of Canada. But spinning forward, now, me being the larcenist that I am, <laughs> uh, he's going to Super Bowl. And I didn't know, he tells me, this is amazing, he said, you know, I never realized, because he never went to Super Bowl. This is the first Super Bowl he's going to. And each owner of the winning team that's going gets 2,500 choice tickets for nothing. Wow. To take right. care of, you know, the people that supported them and all that. And, and so, I know what you were thinking. Well, I not only thought about it, I did it. <laughs> oh, you did it. No, I had a private dinner with him, and I said, Pat, what are you going to do with all these tickets? I don't know. I don't know that many people. You know, I'm a very private guy. I said, well, I know people in the business that will get you four or five times face value. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you gave, they gave you tickets. They're probably 50-yard lines, best parts of fields. Mm -hmm. And that is, yeah. I said, well, take, how many do you going to need? He said, I don't know, maybe four or five hundred. I said, okay, let me make some calls, and by the end of the Super Bowl, I was getting five times, four times face value of this stuff. I had bushels of money, cash. That okay. does not surprise me. And Pat was like, he, he thought this was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> not only went in the Super Bowl, because he was a, a big player like I am. He had girlfriends in Hawaii. In fact, he was partners with uh, Tom Selleck, they bought it just as fun, the Black Orchid in Hawaii, because Tom was there doing uh, Hawaii Five. I mean, was it Hawaii Five O? Yeah, Hawaii Five. What? No, Magnum, Magnum, Magnum. Mm. Yeah. Why would I say Hawaii Five O? I hate that little. Of course, kid. the cops were always after you. Yeah. That, no, that's no, that's James Conn's son, one of my best friends. Oh, kids. yikes. Yeah. Anyway, get, get back on course. <laughs> so I mean, Pat was. I mean, great looking guy and, you know, got in so many troubles like I did with a couple of families at a time at the same time. So he, he loved the cash because there's no way like, the guy's fooling around. That's the best thing to have, is have cash. So now they tell me, and Dan Tannis, and I never met Oliver Stone. I knew the name and I knew how he was such a maniac. He did the original Wall Street. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, he wrote the original Wall Street. So anyway, with this said, Pacino said, your family's in the business. I said, yeah, they're in. I mean, not only are they in, they just won the Super Bowl. He said, you're kidding me. And, and uh, I didn't know what they were planning. So Oliver Stone said, well, is there any way we could meet him? I said, meet who? He said, we'd like to go see Pat. I said, well, you know, Pat, we'd have to call him. So I know Pat well enough. And I said, I'll call him now. Because he said, when can you call? I said, I'll call him right now. Mm -hmm. So I call him at his home number. Now, he's in Denver. This was already 9 o'clock California time. So it's about 10 o'clock at night. And I know Pat. When he's home, he's in bed. So I ring the phone. And I have his private number phone of his. And he gets on the phone. He says, what are you calling me so late for? 
I said, I knew you were going to say that. I said, there's a guy who wants to talk to you. He's tell him to call me tomorrow. I said, well, I don't think he's going to be around tomorrow. He said, why? What's the matter? He thought, you know, knowing me, the <laughs> guy could be around. Right. I said, no, no, no. I said, let me just introduce you. Can I introduce you? He says, okay. This, this better be good. I said, did you ever hear of Al Pacino? He said, what does he have to do with it? I said, well, that's who wants to meet you. <laughs> he said, what? His whole tone changed. It was amazing. And I'm holding the phone now. And I said, Al Pacino, meet Pat Bolin. And I gave him the phone. And they talked. And I mean, I could hear Al's part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And he let him know what I didn't know at all. They're planning on doing this movie any given Sunday. And they want the NFL involved. And, and Oliver Stone is directing. And uh, I'm saying to myself, uh-oh, that could be a problem. But, and I didn't know Oliver, but all he ever heard about how nuts he is. Oh, okay. Well, you know, he did JFK. He had all these crazy films, and he's very opinionated. But, yeah, I mean, you, I'm sorry? Platoon. Platoon, yeah. I mean, you probably you know more of his films. But he's that guy. You know, he, he's, he should have been a newscaster. Because, <laughs> you know, he goes into the nitty-gritty. Right. So with that... Now they're arguing, well, can we come tomorrow? And Oliver's saying, we'll get, uh, we'll get Warner Brothers' plane. They're financing it. I mean, they're really into the development of this movie already. Mm. So now Pat said, no, I'll send my plane. They're arguing what plane they're going to send to come. <laughs> so they said, Warner's plane is here. We'll go out on your Warner's and we'll come back on yours. So that was settled. And I'm on a plane with them next morning. I can't believe this. And I've been to the camp a hundred times. So we land, they have cars for us, we go up. And Pat, and you know, is in awe having Pacino at the camp and everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, Elway, I mean, he's Al Pacino. Right. And he, he wants to meet Shanahan. He did his homework. He wanted to meet Mike Shanahan. And Mike and him hit it off. And not only that, they look eye to eye. Same height, same everything. <laughs> so anybody that's listening, when you see any given Sunday again, you'll see that that's who he's playing. You can watch games and newsreels of Shanahan and his gestures. Pacino copied it all. Wow. So now we get into negotiations, and obviously I got to be included. And <laughs> actually, but the good news while we're doing this. The Broncos are, are winning again. Mm. And now we're almost ready to shoot. And we fly to New York, Oliver Stone. I, was, I came here. I still had this place. And uh, their office is right on Park Avenue. That's where the NFL is. So now we go in and... Now, again, as I pointed out, these are the richest single human beings in America. I mean... Mm -hmm. They, they, I, like, I mean, look at Jer, uh, Jerry Brown and all these guys. I mean, Jerry Jones and all these guys. The money, I mean, they, they have, they bought they 800 million, 600 million. You got to have 60% of that liquid. That's nuts. And they have it. And that's what else they have. I mean, the jets and all that. So they don't even give Oliver Stone a minute. They sit down and they just, not, there wasn't like 28 odors or 29 at that time. Mm hmm it was just a committee. And they said, Mr. Stone, understand who the NFL is and what we stand for. And we are not gonna allow you 
to destroy our image and put the wildness of the rumors out there of the players and their wild parties, which are all true, right. but they didn't want it in a feature film. Mm -hmm. So they gave Oliver right then and there. If you could write a script and we approve it, you could use the NFL and the NFL teams and the uniforms, but there'll be no sex, there'll be no drugs, there'll be no nothing. And Oliver's not blinking. I'm saying, what's he thinking? So now we leave, and that's how nuts he is. We get in the car, I said, what are you thinking? I said, I got a problem with that. I said, what are you talking about? I said, they're gonna approve the script. He said, I'm gonna write two scripts. <laughs> oh my God. I'll write a script, they'll approve it. And then what are they gonna do to me later? <laughs> I said, what are they gonna do to you later? These guys, I mean, I, he said, what are they gonna do? If I make the money, I think I'll make with this film. So I couldn't do that to my brother-in-law. Right. Because Pat introduced us. So I let Pat know quietly. I said, Pat, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. He said, why? Because you don't need any money. I said, I don't, I don't trust this guy. I don't want to throw him under the bus. Really? I said, I just don't trust him. He's not going to write the scriptures want. So they wrote him a letter saying that, giving it some thought, we're not going to use the NFL, you're not going to use the NFL, any of the team names, any of the stadiums. And now Warner Brothers, was so engrossed in this, so a little light bulb goes off in my head, because I already been doing my homework. I said, I can get your stadium, and we'll get some cooperation. And what do you need? Do you need uniforms? How many teams are you gonna play? And I didn't know how many. So we got about eight teams. I said, we'll get eight teams, who cares? He said, what about the stadiums? I said, I think I can get you a major stadium, and I can get it probably for about six months. Johnny, let, let's get back to the teams a minute. These are fictitious teams? Everything is. Okay. Everything, anything in any given Sunday, they were all fictitious teams. Mm. And the, like the Sharks, I think, was the team that that uh, Cameron Diaz supposedly owned. With that, must take, that must have taken a lot of thought. You know? Oh, no. Anyway. No, it really didn't. I'm, that, and you know, like when I heard it too, I said, what are they going to do? It don't mean anything. They make up 12 or 8 teams and don't mean anything. Make just jerseys. Just the story is good. What's that? Just as long as the story is good. Well, it's all about behind the scenes and the players and how nuts they are. Story. And, you know, J James Woods being the, the doctor of the Sharks team and Matthew Muldine as his assistant was the good and the bad. How do you, do you inject these guys and shoot them up? Even uh, Dennis Quaid, he was the retired quarterback. Mm -hmm. They showed what they do to these guys to just get him back out there. And I love Dennis Quaid's wife, how she said, if you don't get on that field, don't come home tonight. She just wanted to be a quarterback's wife. She had no feels for this guy at all. So he had to go out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy when you see it. I never knew it, and like Pat, people like myself, who, who were not into that, I'm not, you know. So long story short, now they're preparing to shoot this movie. I have a friend, which I've mentioned on the show before, a guy called Dr. J, I mean, Dr. Uh, J. Weiss, who, while I was being Dr. J. Right, Adams, J. J. Adams at the Fontainebleau Hotel, all being overseen by a guy called Maya Lansky, mm -hmm. they created a company that right now does 16 billion a year called Southern Wines and Spirits, 
and it's still privately held. Well, Jay Wise, Harvey, and a lot of Charlie, I'm, I'm big, different guys who started have passed on. There's two or three of them still around. Mm -hmm. But long story short, they donated so much money to Miami University. And they, because that's where they were all from, Florida. And I knew that Joe Robbie Stadium opened a year pr prior. So the Miami Dolphins left the Orange Bowl and went to Joe Robbie and the city of Miami donated the Orange Bowl to Miami University. So I go and see Dr. Foot. I said, Doc, I said, uh, what are you gonna do at the stadium? Oh, we're gonna do nothing with you. We're gonna renovate and do this. I said, what if I do all that for you? He says, why would you do that? I said, well, we have a mutual friend, Dr. J, I mean, Jay Wise, why I keep saying it? I'm with Dr. J the other night, he's in my head. Yeah, the, right. The basketball player. Mm -hmm. So uh, I said, Jay Weiss and Mary Beth, and uh, he loved them. I told him it's Oliver Stone, Pacino, and then they all went crazy. I said, we need it for three months. We'll make it a base camp, come up with a number, and we'll pay the school. Wow. And I said, we'll do some other things for you. He said, well, we need a new scoreboard. That's antiquated. That's no problem. So I'm making this deal, I talked to nobody yet, as I did the original Godfather. <laughs> so now I fly, don't ask me how I remember this guy's name, Clayton Townsend was put on the film as the executive producer to oversee Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. And he was so enamored with the script. So I told him, I said, I, I think I could do it. He said, do it, let's get the price. So I make the deal. And I never tell Dr. Foote how much they're willing to pay. I said, what do you want? What do you? He said, you know, get me the scoreboard and a few dollars, I'll be great. So I made the deal. But the deal I made was like 100000 a week mm. for 12 weeks. And then I got Jerry Jones, because he's such a rebel. Off-season, he owned his own stadium in Dallas. And he invited us, and that's where we shot the last part of the movie, at Dallas Stadium with Jerry Jones, I loved it. And we had uh, Charleston Heston, played Agapu, who was the head of the NFL. I mean, the people that were in this movie. It was a very star-studded cast, oh my, for sure. 38 movie stars, plus every major football player, Jim Brown, all the, I mean, uh, Y.E. Tittle, they all played themselves, and everybody loved it. I mean, the movie was like insane, and uh, now we're actually shooting a movie. And for the Denver Broncos to go again to Super Bowl, we're there. And the final game that's gonna decide whether Denver goes, they gotta play the New York Jets in Denver. And Pacino is such, such a, a thespian. Mm -hmm. He wants to be on the field. And everybody at the Denver camp said, we can't put you on the field. I mean, only people on the field are officials, players, and owners. He said, well, what if I'm on the field? He said, it could be a $50,000 fine. Because he, he wanted to be next to Shanahan. And the next time you watch a football game, where the, where the coach is standing, it's, they call it the white box. It's, it's written off. 
You can't approach it until you can't get in it. Oh, okay. So they gave him a Denver Bronco costume, uh, uniform, which uh-huh. to me is a costume, <laughs> and he's the assistant coach. So anybody gets the news clips, that is Pacino through the whole game, and they won, which now is icing on the cake. We're going back, and we're going to do repeat with the Broncos on the field. So my light bulb goes off, and they just came out with these lipstick cameras, size of lipsticks, and mm-hmm. they were running on computers. Mm-hmm. So we tested them out. We laid them all over, had a computer truck outside, and we're getting all the feed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so now we can, we can produce, digitally change the color of uniforms, and sell this footage. Because don't forget now, every game we need, we need 30,000, 40,000 people. And we were doing all kinds of things on the radio, come meet Pacino, come meet. And they had the gun cannons to shoot T-shirts with any given Sunday. And these people would show up. But after an hour or two, they ain't sitting there for 14 hours. Yeah, right. And, and Oliver Stone's saying, you can't move, you're in a shot. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm going on, what all are you? Then, you know, oh, that was it. Oh, my gosh. I got my T-shirt, I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah right, so and that, that's exactly the attitude. But with all of that, I created a whole second unit business of footage digitally because this was all new to everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's how this movie was made. I mean, and, and, then, and then to get the cast that we had, I mean, one of my, my neighbors at the time, I, right, I was living on Mulholland and other places, was Jamie Foxx. And I love Jamie Foxx. He was like down the street. He's great. I and, love him. And he was doing the Jamie Foxx show. And they, they wanted him. And when they got him, I said, listen, you got to spend some money on a publisher this. You could win an Oscar for this role if you do it right. Mm-hmm. And he could have, but he didn't care. But when, when he did Ray, he hired the publicist and he won the Oscar. But when you think of the people that were in this movie, we took Anne Margaret out of retirement <laughs> to play Cameron Diaz's mother. As a drunk, I love. I mean, because she was always drunk. Mm-hmm. And they said, how, "How how are you going to handle that?" I said, "Let it be drunk." Write it in. <laughs> and that was it. I mean, I mean, the experience I got on that set was like three months, and then we're going. So now, I have all the tickets again, and I'm making all this money one more time. Oh my gosh! It was insane, and but that, that, the fun. And then to think of Ted Kennedy, as I reflect on my life and my life around the Kennedys, he sees me and he says, Johnny, I heard you got tickets to the game. I said, yeah, and his kids, I met them all. Mm-hmm. And I always have a, 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 a good feeling for the Kennedys. I mean, I know they were nuts because of the father, the father's a maniac. But I said, don't worry, how many, how many, because I shouldn't have said that, because, you know, he's got 11 kids, I think, this guy. Mm-hmm. So you, he needed 15 tickets. I So I got to scatter them around. I'm not giving you 50, 15 tickets right. on 50-yard on line, because I knew what they meant to me. It's about 2,000 a ticket. Yeah. And that was then. But, so, I mean, the experiences we had and the, uh, in, 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 the real players playing with actors on the field was nuts and uh, I, I don't know what, what else to say about it but uh, how much time we have we talking about well, this? I, I tell you, John, you know time. while you're talking I just looked up the word entrepreneur in a dictionary and guess whose picture is there <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right I mean really that's uh, 
That's a, I, this is the first time I'm hearing this. I know. Well, you know, I didn't want to, and I'll say it on the air, I didn't want to bring it up while Pat was still alive. Because right. I, I don't know if he would have got sanctions because he owns the team. Yeah. But, I mean, and I, I don't, I'm sure every owner is doing it. Mm-hmm. They, I, don't, I don't know who has 2,500 friends they're going to mm-hmm. give it to. But, you know, out of 65,000 seats, what's 5,000 tickets to go to the two teams that are going? Right. I'm, I'm assuming you got rid of your tickets. Not only did I get rid of my tickets. Oh, that's, I'm glad you brought this up. Funny I should ask. Funny you should ask. Now, here we are in Miami, the drug capital of the world. Mm-hmm. And I have, but you mentioned before, uh, I have Miami-Dade County police, off-duty police, sitting outside my hotel room. And they said, why? I said, somebody threatened me. And they, they, they could understand that my lifestyle. Yeah, right. And I knew everybody there. I had two and a half main cash in my hotel room. Oh, good. And I had signs, no cleaning, no service. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what am I going to do? Please do not disturb. Yeah. So <laughs> I walk down the hallway. So now, <laughs> but the biggest dilemma I had, and Pat, you being on a job, how am I going to move this cash out of Miami airport mm-hmm. to, carefully to fly to Dallas? Mm. So I said, you know, Clayton, I think we should move everybody on a charter plane. There you go. You got all these stars. We got a weekend to move them. It's going to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. And we'll get a luxury plane for everybody. He said, why do we, that's perfect, let's do it. We'll have buses pick everybody up, limousines for the big stars, and we'll go out and charter a plane. So now, I mean, I'm so good with everybody, mm-hmm. I get one of the first class seats, and I have a Louis Vuitton duffel bag right. with me. And everybody wants to carry my bag, I said, no, 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 no. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was about to put a, a handcuff on, like I used to when I was a Corey going to Switzerland, and handcuff myself to the bag. So now I'm sitting on a plane, wheels are up, we're out of there. I'm saying, I didn't know how we're going to get out of there. Who, right. do, you, who do you trust it with? Mm-hmm. Did, the bag, did the bag get its own seat? I would hope so. No, no, under my, right under my, under my seat. Right. right there. But the classic thing is, now I had Pat's portion of the money mm-hmm. that had to go to Denver. Mm-hmm. So I make a connection with one of the Teamsters that's driving the equipment truck of the Denver Broncos property back to Denver. <laughs> so I'm saying, how am I gonna get, you know, what am I gonna put it in? So my friend owned a, a place called the Toy Store in Lauderdale, Hot Cars. So I said, listen, and I'm negotiating this for a while. I said, find me an orange Porsche, because that's the color, orange and navy blue, mm-hmm. for the Broncos. So I put in Pat's trunk a gift of a Porsche and something very handsome in the trunk. And I kept the trunk key and only gave the guy the other key. I said, put this on the equipment truck. When you get to Denver, deliver the car only to Pat. No problem. I gave him, you know, money and, and he worked, worked for, you know, forever. And that's how Pat's money got there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that could be a movie in itself. This whole I was case. just going to say that. Yeah, right. We we have to talk about this, Johnny. Yeah. No. So now I'm sitting with Pacino, and he says, what's with this bag in you? I said, 
And I opened it up. He almost threw up. <laughs> he said, is that real? I said, yeah. They were all $100 bills. Because I was taking the big money and going to Miami Dane, Miami uh, Bank. Mm-hmm. And I used to use that. I don't want to mention the name. They'll lose their charter. Yeah, right. And I was giving them all this other money, giving me all new money. And I was doing the same thing in Vegas with, with Perry Thomas with the Valley Bank. And, you know, so it's... Uh, that's... Uh, we have any questions? Anybody want to talk to me well, about Well, tell us th- about, for people who haven't seen the movie, tell us about what part you played. I no, They just gave me a token part. They gave me a part because of my ego, I wanted to be in it. I played the part of Cameron Diaz's father. And we owned the team together. He died and left his share to his wife and his daughter. Mm-hmm. And... Cameron Diaz always wanted to own the team and thought she knew everything about it. And basically that was the film. It's the challenge of the new owner against the old coach who was Pacino, Mm -hmm. who had lost the last two seasons, was going nowhere. And she found this guy, this quarterback that nobody believed in, Jamie Foxx. And Pacino really liked the kid and saw the talent and he built him. Wow. Into the winning quarterback. Right. And what was how, going how did the movie do financially, Johnny? Oh my God. Very well. Really? Huge. No, any any sports films really do well. I mean, think of how many sports fans there are. And you know, and they had every major guy. I mean you the name of the players, I mean I I, I, I you know, I don't know football players, I know football players that became movie stars, mm-hmm. you know, like Joe Namath and these guys, but I don't know these guys. But they had every major guy, and like I said, Dennis Quaid and uh, LL Cool J and James Woods. I mean, the cast was done so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then to have every athlete, and they gave the opportunity, as I said, to retired, you know, sports guys and they what they did they was brilliant actually Oliver Stone got all of these known coaches to be the coaches of the opposing team so now you have really have you know the authenticity that you're watching an NFL NFL game mm-hmm. and they brought all their fans along with it but it was really a well done movie well received and still playing you know though I think the film Prior to that, that was a big film, was The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds. And Burt Reynolds, I, I had the, the worst experience with him. Really? Well, I did any given, I mean, I did uh, striptease. I made a three-picture deal with Michael LaBelle and Andrew Bergman. And I was in these three pictures with them, and I helped them with people like Marlon Brando and uh, getting Brando to play in The Freshman. But mm-hmm. striptease was a, a movie again in Florida, which I loved. And uh, she was playing a striptease artist. And he was a senator that my character needed. I was in the sugar cocaine business mm. and other cocaine business too. Uh-huh. And I, in fact, my friend Augie Bush of Bush Breweries lent me his boat and was only supposed to be for the week. And I got, again, Warner Brothers to pay him 100000 for the boat with the crew for a week. Wow. And we kept having bad weather and canceling it. And then we had other locations we had to get to. So he wound up picking up maybe 
three or four hundred thousand dollars for the boat that never even moved. That's crazy. No, but I mean that's that's they waste so much money. <laughs> I mean, I see it all the time. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the unions, I mean, which we're a part of and created over there years ago in the thirties and forties. I mean, a, a grip can't screw in a light bulb, but the grip has to carry the ladder over to the light for you to climb up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an electrician has probably turned the grip because you're not allowed to touch the ball. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's nuts. But uh, the money that's wasted and wasted, it's crazy. But whoever that's asked this crazy. question, thank you. You gave me some great memories. Yeah. And um, I'm glad the statutes of limitations are over. So if any <laughs> IRS agents were trying to chase me, you were right, and you didn't get me again. <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> Too late now. Get you then, and I'll get you now. That's right. Is it time to go to the mailbag? Yeah, yes. I think so. All right. All right, let's see what we got for today. How, how do you top that question? I how know. That is true. Yeah, hello. All right, so first one we have from Marina for Gianni, and she asks, if you could do anything differently in your life, what would it be? Save money. I used to spend money like I was going to keep making it. Thank God I am. But, uh-huh. you know, at 77, I should have it amassed a fortune. I got a couple of dollars and I'm getting by, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing I would change. Everything else is perfect. Yeah. All right. Next one. Claudia asks, I've noticed you've mentioned your significant other, Maggie, a few times. Can you tell us more about her? Maggie is an enigma to the world <laughs> and, and sometimes to me. Maggie and I have been together about 12 or 13 years. What I'm about to say is very egotistical because when she started to want to go with me, I chased her because she's so gorgeous and never been married, has no baggage, and uh, she convinced me, and here we are. But, you know, that's, I really don't like to talk about her. She's not a public figure. Mm-hmm. She has a private life, fortunately with me, and I'd like to keep it that way. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, next one is um, from Nick. Nick asks for Gianni, what advice would you give a 19-year-old growing up in today's world to make money? I know you probably have some great advice. The only advice I I, I have, Nick, is the same that Pat and I wrote in the book. Hopefully you read the book, the last sentence in the book being Hollywood Godfather. Mm -hmm. We take it for granted everybody knows what book we wrote. (laughs) But Hollywood Godfather, the last sentence in the book is yes, you can. And if you have a dream and a will, stick to your dream, know that your dream is doable. And my, my whole goal in life was to be successful. And I've had people that I believed in, I listened to them, and they made me a success. Hopefully you have people around you, hopefully you have some great ideas, stick to them and do it, man, go for it. Wow, that's good advice. All right, next one's from Sebastian. For Gianni again, what was the toughest part about working with Frank Costello? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Frank Costello was a dream. I mean, I mean, just think about it. I mean, here I am, a young teenager, making a hundred dollars a day cash. Mm-hmm. Have the wherewithal to go to any restaurant in New York City. Have power to pen because they knew who I was around. Mm-hmm. And my one of my greatest highlights, I used to go to sound checks at the Copa during the day, and here every major performer in the world. And that's how I got met to meet Sinatra, finally, mm-hmm. in person. And because 
they, you know, most of these guys, when they're there, it's just their crew, unless they're rhythm section or whatever, unless they're doing a full sound check. And nobody was in there, not allowed in there. And I've got that look so many times from so many performers when they see this kid walking through and then either Jules Bodell or, or Carmine, one of the managers, no, no, he's with us. Mm-hmm. And that made me approachable to all these people. So I don't know. Uh, I don't see one thing <laughs> that was difficult working for Costello. I mean, Jesus. He even bought your first wardrobe. He bought my first wardrobe. Yeah. So many firsts in my life, really. I mean, yeah, the guy, guy. he's, no, there's nothing else I can say. Good part of your life. All right, next one is for both Gianni and Pat. Steven asks, how has your life changed for you now that the old neighborhoods are tourist spots? Pat, why don't you answer that? I tell you, it, it, I can't go so far as to say it, it breaks my heart, but I get disappointed when I go back to Little Italy and I find out, for, uh, for one, uh, the, the, the length and breadth of Little Italy is like a block and a half now. It's not much there anymore. Well, it's four blocks. Yeah, okay. exactly. See, that's the I felt mad numerous yeah. times. Thank you for that. It's uh, four blocks. Just yeah, so. I mean, but the, the, to the way you know, compared to the way it used to be, and oh, the yeah. cohesiveness of the neighborhood, and Johnny will attest to this. Everybody knew everybody, no matter where you went, no matter what time of day and night. Uh, the streets were alive, uh, twenty-four hours a day. Twenty-four uh, hours, exactly. Yeah, and the restaurants. I mean, what you know, I can close my eyes now and put myself on a street and and smell the aromas coming out of the bakeries, the Italian restaurants, and a little later, uh, all the Asian restaurants, Vietnamese, Chinese, and it was, and there was no trouble down there. Mm. Not, not at all. You can leave your doors open at night. People slept on fire escapes because there was no air conditioning. Oh, yeah. In the oh, wow, really? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. I did when I was a little kid. Oh, yeah. I, I remember my, my, my parents putting me out in the fire escape. That's you know, crazy. That, that's a funny about it now they probably lock up my parents for doing that. You know? Yeah, right. Oh, oh yeah. I remember so I all over in my sleep, you know. I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, yeah that 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 was what I was just thinking about. No, unless How you're about you, Johnny? No, I mean to me I, I was just down there Sunday again. I, I like walking down there. I came out of mass and I walked down there three and a half miles. And again it's like and all these new kids that moved in there. It's become a very fashionable place to live now. Mm. And like my, for uh, for instance, my flat at one two one Mulberry Street was sixteen dollars a month. It's, oh my God! It's forty five hundred now. Two bedrooms. That's crazy. Forty five hundred dollars, the same place. Nothing's and changed. These track. <laughs> you know, these are walk up apartments. Buildings. You know, these yeah. are, you you can stand in your apartment and extend your arms and touch. Yeah. Yeah, they were like t- maybe eight to ten feet wide, That's and they were all railroad they were flats. long railroad. You walk in the yeah, front door, you go to the next room, the next room to you out the back door. Out yeah. the window, nothing's around. next to each yeah. other there. And they're one right after the other. Yeah. So, like Johnny says, you're out a window or out a door. Yeah. You know, that's so a, crazy. Wow. But I, I do. I, I like go, there's certain people I like going to see yet. There's still guys there mm-hmm. that I grew up with, and very few of them. But it's. Uh, it, it's what's going on in life. Different. You know what I, you know what I didn't used to like is that a grammatically correct sentence? Anyway, uh, when when you're somebody, the doctor, <laughs> either some kind of a celebrity or a restaurant review or something would publicize a little mom and pop restaurant down there, 
and all of a sudden it would be invaded by people from Scarsdale and Jersey, and it would ruin the entire thing. Oh, really? Well, Angelo's uh, is still, you know, I was happy to see they're remodeling Angelo's, which is a landmark over 100 yeah, years. Oh, way over 100 years. Yeah, over. and, and uh, they burned down, and now, thank God, the kids own the building, and they understand, because I thought for sure that's like one of the last ones there. Mm. Cafe Neapolitan still, there's a couple of guys. The that I, I go, Grotto Azura is still there. And they, they've been there forever. But, you remember uh, Woody Allen's movie, Manhattan? I never watched Woody Allen. I, well, you know, I tell you, I saw one today called Wonder Wheel. I'm not finished watching it. I, I, I had to put it on hold to do this. But uh, I, hope well, I don't bother you. a lot of things Woody Allen does. <laughs> but he makes some good movies. But Wonder Wheel, stuff, what, what is Wonder Wheel? Uh, Wonder Wheel takes place in 1950 in Coney Island. It's oh. on. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon, it's a, it's a great movie. Kate Winslet's in it. Uh, Justin Timberlake, uh, James Belushi. It's a good. And, oh, so and, it's and, a current movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah oh, I thought it was old stars. He, he, he oh, yeah, it I was Amazon. thinking old. He shot it for Amazon. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, he did a movie called um, uh, Manhattan. This was in the late '80s, I believe. And at the end of the movie, it, this the movie is a love song uh, is a uh, to Manhattan. I mean, it's a, and anything that has that kind of a theme, I always watch. I don't care who makes it. But in this particular movie, at the end, he laments the uh, the places that he loves in uh, in Manhattan. He, he lists ten of them, and the tenth one is a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown called Sam Wo. It was that and fourteen mart. Fourteen mart. Exactly. All right. I used so to we go used there. to go there uh, when we used to close 24 the bars. 24-7 open. Wow. We, we used to close the bars at 4 o'clock in the morning and go down it because it's open 24-7. And it's a little hole in the wall. It has like six tables in it. Everything is four mica down there. You know, nothing's fancy. And we used to sit there, and the waiters uh, got to know us after a while, and we would be teaching them English. And they would bring out what they eat, not what the tourists eat. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, great stuff. And when Woody Allen said that Sam Woe's is one of the best Chinese places that nobody knows about, well, that ended. And uh, the next time we went down, it was a line around the block. And uh, uh, immigration got a hold of it. They locked up the waiters. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a freaking disaster. But the funniest thing, you're mentioning that, how we used to go down there. And what comes to my mind, because I'm the sick son of a bitch, uh, <laughs> I'm, comes to That's my the, mind is Joe Gallo's 40th birthday at the Copa, and he's with Jerry Auerbach and his wife, and they want to go to Mott Street because it's open all night. They go there, and they were exterminating the restaurant. So jo, jo, Jerry Auerbach don't know Joe Gallo's problem. He said, well, let's go over to uh, um, Umberto's on the corner. So he was hesitant, and they went. And and he got exterminated. He got exterminated. And, and that's why I'm laughing, because now this, this movie that's coming out that everybody's anticipating, The Irishman, this guy took credit of killing him when it was Sonny Pinto. Sonny yeah. Pinto ran home, got his gun, and he knew that, you know, the Gambinos wanted him exterminated, as you put, and he did it. <laughs> Thank God he's a good shot. He was sitting between both lives. Uh, that put Umberto's on the map for, once again. Every tourist in the world. Yeah, but I mean, Umberto's was like, the, but yeah, the mob. And you is know, that they, still there, Gianni? 
They unfortunately, I was with Robbie uh, Sunday. I love Robin Ianella, uh, and that's Maddie the horse's grand, uh, oh, okay. nephew. Mm-hmm. They still run it all, but they moved it up on Mulberry Street. Okay. And there's a Mexican restaurant in there now. On that oh, corner. Yeah, it used to be on the corner. We won't be spending. Oh, yes, right on the corner, white many, and blue. Many nights in that place. That that was something else. They never closed. Yeah, no, most of those Vincent's Vincent's restaurant never closed. I my grandfather was on the corner Martin Grand. And we'd go in there and twenty four seven, and and you know, I, and you had a counter on the corner right on Mott. You could sit at the counter and have scungili galamad, everything. Now forget about it. You know another result of uh, immigration uh, hitting Sam Woes uh, after Woody Allen opened his mouth and said what a great place it was. After that, you couldn't depend on a good Chinese restaurant staying good. Because to stay one step of, him, uh, of immigration, they would sh- shuffle around the cooks and the waiters so they wouldn't get locked up. Mm. Yeah. And while one restaurant may be really good, another one isn't so good, and they got that cook, and you went there uh, like the third or fourth time, you said, this place sucks. What happened? Well, that's what happened. They yeah, kept I mean, on you, would, you, you would know that more than anybody. You, you were down here on the, on the yeah, job. Yeah, I was down there a lot. Yeah. After you, yeah. yeah. Mm. All right, well, I, I think, think we have that's... one more. Oh, do it. No, good. That's it? Abidi? Yeah, I think that's it Abidi? for tonight. Abidi? 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 That's all. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's all for tonight. All right. Well, again, keep your cards and letters coming. Oh no, a different era. The emails and <laughs> and tell people to subscribe. We need your friends. We want to blow this up. And I'm gonna help you do it in the next couple of weeks. We're making an announcement that nobody's gonna believe. Yeah. We will be everywhere. But we want our podcast. We love it. This is a 30-something show. And thanks to your support, you're sharing it. We're getting great reviews. God bless you all, and we'll see you next week. Every Wednesday, a new show. Don't forget. Let your friends. (laughs) Pat, you want to say anything? Just good night, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yep. All right. Good night, guys. Megan, go to bed. School time. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit Amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.